Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. You made us watch. Why'd you make us watch this? You made us watch something we didn't like. Next time we'll watch something we like. But we can't believe you made us watch. You, you made, made us, us watch, watch The Sentinel. Sentinel. So and boy, are... did they make us watch it. Because <laughs> fuck that movie. All right. And we're not 100% sure who made us watch The Sentinel. Although there are two... The Sentinels. There is the 1977 one and the 2006 one. And the 2006 The Sentinel has nothing to do with the 1977 one. Thank fucking God. We should have watched that one. (laughs) Well, I have a feeling neither of us could find in the Facebook group who suggested it. But I'm going to guess, having seen it, that it was Robert Schneider. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. Do you? Do you, though? Yeah, I because I, he has, he recommended the baby initially. Or yeah, no, and that movie Stephen was- Stephen Davini did, actually. Okay. So maybe Stephen Davini is responsible for us watching this. Well, and the baby was weird and made me feel uncomfortable. And I don't ever want to watch it again. <laughs> this didn't really make me feel uncomfortable. I just don't ever want to watch it again. And it's not necessarily that it was bad. Like, the pres- the premise is very good. The execution, not so much. There's so much about it that's so stupid. It's about a model who wants to exercise her independence from her lawyer boyfriend who keeps wanting to get married. Mm-hmm. And she wants to get her own apartment. This is my first issue with the movie, is that it's like... It's not a thing where she's like, oh, I'm making more money, so, like, I want to get my own place, instead of him being like, just move in with me, blah, 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 and her just being like, no, like, I just want to live on my own. It's like, they're living together for years, and she's like, I want to not live with you. This is the, this should be a story about a couple breaking up. Like, that's not normal. Yeah, and it's peculiar, too, because she... If my memory is correct, her dad dies and her dad was a monster, was cheating on her mom and was just a really gross, gross dude. And she asks her mom after the funeral, why did you stay? And her mom said that I had no place to go. But I feel like that's a better catalyst for her wanting to have her own apartment. Mm hmm. Versus right at the beginning of the movie, she wants her own apartment. Yeah. She's like, no, I just want to, like, have my own place. And, like, I think just that would be cool. Fucking whatever. The whole reason for her wanting her own apartment was stupid to me. She's like, I still love you. I'm like, that's not what people who love each other do. (laughs) 
they don't separate. But he also was newly widowed and his first wife died under mysterious well, circumstances. newly widowed. And mm. she was the other woman. Yeah. Like, he had an affair with her. His wife died. And then she tried to kill herself. Yeah. And then immediately after getting out of the hospital, moved into his house. Yeah. So, it's not a great relationship. No, it's clearly not. It's clearly a hot mess. I just feel like they made this relationship too complicated. Like, it didn't really need to be that complicated. It could have just been a thing where she was like, I met this guy. Like, he has kind of a complicated past. But, you know, I'm just not ready to move in yet. I'm still young. Like, that would have been better than it being like, well, we had an affair. And then his wife killed herself. And then, uh, so I tried to kill myself. And then it's like, why? She already tried to kill herself when she was a little kid. Why does she need to keep trying to kill herself? The big twist is that the apartment building is the gateway to hell. Yeah. It's this like too good to be true apartment in Brooklyn that it's like oversees the Manhattan skyline and it's absolutely gorgeous, like ivy colored building. It's here's the other thing. She wants like a fully furnished apartment, which whatever. I get it. It's a huge apartment. So it makes sense that she would want something fully furnished. But it's like down to the sheets on the bed fully yeah. furnished like that's Sheets creepy and old photographs that she yeah. just leaves yeah. and like photographs and it's like fully decorated it looks like someone is still living there yes fully furnished she moves in she starts to meet her eccentric neighbors one of them is burgess meredith playing charles chazen mm-hmm. which is an alias that my cousin is using in real life that's hilarious Also, he has a cat and a bird. The bird does get eaten by the cat at some point, sort of. You kind of find out that they're not really real, but it's just like a lump of feathers on the ground and the cat's biting it. Like, it doesn't, like, And then it's like a different lump of feathers. The continuity is really poor. Oh, yeah. No, they just kept throwing lumps of feathers with blood squirted on it at the cat. And the cat kept biting it and then hissing. Like, it's... (laughs) The bird is fine. Oh, I don't know if it's still alive, but it it didn't die by the cat. I was happy about this, though, because really, aside from Clash of the Titans and the Rocky movies and the Grumpy Old Men movies and the one episode of Twilight Zone that he's in, I'm not. Well, I guess that is quite a bit of stuff. That's quite a bit. I got to see a side of Burgess Meredith that I've never seen him play before because he plays kind of like. A very effeminate old kook. Who is that delightful man that's on Instagram? Oh, I follow him. It's basically Leslie Jordan. (laughs) Right. It's basically Leslie Jordan. Absolutely delightful. He, like, comes over the first night that she's there, or, like, one of the first nights that she's there, and is like, Hi, my name's Charles Chazen, and this is my cat, Jezebel, and this is my bird. I forget his bird's name, but he's like, she's from Brazil. This is great. Like, I love it. And then he leaves, like, a framed picture of himself in her apartment (laughs) of him with, like, a bouquet of flowers. Like, ta-da! It's adorable. And he kind of fills her in on the other neighbors. There's Mm -hmm. a blind priest. That lives lives on the top floor. On the top floor. And then there are two, I forget what he calls them, but floozies, basically, who live on the first floor. Well, they're lesbians, I guess. Like, they're supposed to be. No, they're sisters. Oh, are they? I thought they were supposed to be lesbians. 
I think they just told people they were sisters. Yeah, it's a... But one of them is Beverly D'Angelo, right? Yeah, it's Gertie and Sandra, uh, played by Sylvia Miles and Beverly D'Angelo. And Beverly D'Angelo jerks off in front of us. In front of, like, this woman is like, what's her name? The stars. Allison. Allison. Yeah, Allison. Yeah. yeah. The the couple are Allison and Mike. They are Allison and Mike, which is oh so sad. But so Allison is like carrying groceries up to her apartment and like the door to one of the other apartments is open, so she goes in and she's like, Hello. Which is weird. Which is weird. Like I can understand like knocking and being like, Is anyone home? Like, is this supposed to be open? But just like come in and start walking around. Weird. So she goes into their apartment, starts lurking, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? And then the one goes to, like, get coffee. And they're both wearing, like, leotards. leotards. They're all they're both in leotards. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Beverly D'Angelo's character doesn't, like, talk at all. She just sits on the couch and just stares at Allison and then just Rubs starts rubbing her crotch. <laughs> her crotch and just starts like fully masturbating in front of her and allison just sits there not making eye contact with her just kind of like looking around the room like okay are you like what Uh, if someone started doing that in front of me i would be like bye clearly this is not like sorry i'm not into this i gotta go Mm. but she sits there and like starts to drink her coffee and then she's like all right this is weird i'm gonna go then is like this is too much i gotta go Also, Jeff Goldblum is in this as a young photographer, and it made me laugh every scene he was in just because it was Jeff Goldblum. He didn't do anything necessarily that funny. Christopher Walken is in it, and I think he only had one line. Yeah, he's like a detective, but he's like the Eli partner. Wallach, yeah, Eli Wallach plays the main detective, and yeah. he's sort of like the Eli Wallach's sidekick. And, and he just kind of looks menacing. He doesn't really, like, do anything. It's just like... It's so weird to think, though, that this is 1977 and a year later is 1978, which is the movie that makes Christopher Walken a movie star. Which movie? Deer Hunter. Oh, yeah. A very young Jerry Orbach is in this, too. Yes. Unrecognizable, if I'm being perfectly honest. He's, like, the director of, like, a wine commercial. Like, you can tell it's him because his body is the same shape. Mm-hmm. But his hair is, like, black. Like, his hair is black. You just, like, can't quite tell it's him. But William Hickey, who's, uh, is he the uncle in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? He's, like, Clark's uncle or, or like... Beverly D'Angelo's uncle or something. Okay. Which is funny that they were both in this movie and then they're both in like fucking Christmas Vacation together. William Hickey has always looked like he looks in Christmas Vacation to me, mm-hmm. except for seeing in him in this movie. Where I was like, whoa. Kind of young. William Hickey used to be young. That's so crazy. Yeah. His voice is exactly the same and his teeth are out of control. Like mm-hmm. they're so big. His teeth yeah. are so big. Like it takes you a second because you're like, is that? No, that can't be. And then he talks and you're like, it is. It's a young William Hickey. And Chris Sarandon plays Mike, the, uh, yeah, Michael. the lawyer boyfriend. Yeah. So it's just like. And this is fresh off of him doing Dog Day Afternoon, which is what made him, you know, a movie star. And mm-hmm. it's neat to me because I never really knew who he was until I saw Fright Night in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool for me to go like, holy shit like chris randon's been around for a long time and he's playing such a different role than he plays in dog day afternoon yeah he's just kind of like a dude i mean he's not really a dude he's like just like a regular rich lawyer type yeah if the movie was made in the late 80s 
uh, Richard Gere would have played. Yeah, him. exactly. Yeah. You find out that all of her neighbors they're basically ghosts yeah, it's they're like ghosts. Yeah, they're she demons. lives alone in the in the movie they're and trying find, and they're ghosts of people of murderers yeah they're ghosts of murderers they're go they're basically like people who are in hell who are trying to get her to kill herself so that she can't become the next like watcher right because what the i guess what the church has planned is that they're like okay so if you can reject killing yourself You'll be saved, and then your life remains a life of servitude where you are guarding the gates of hell to keep hell from spilling into the real world, basically. Yeah. Which I find it really funny that the gates of hell are in Brooklyn. When clearly they're in Chicago. No! Uh, <laughs> they're in Alabama. Yeah, the building is owned by the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and there's a priest... Franchino, uh, played by Arthur Kennedy, who's following her around throughout the whole movie. And then at the end, he just kind of does the exposition dump to tell you what's going on. This woman basically just kind of, after she moves into this apartment, she kind of like downward spirals and everyone just thinks she's hysterical or that she's sick or something when she's just like, you know, she thinks she's killed someone. She kind of did, but like, it's not super clear how that even happened. (laughs) She just like, it just seems like she's hysterical and sick. And I just am so tired of that trope of people being like, you're just, you just need to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not fucking it, man. Well. Like something supernatural is happening. I don't know. Uh, why do you go back into a, a building when you find out that all the neighbors that you had a party yeah. with are, are fucking dead murderers? Dead. Yeah, like she, she contacts the broker who like gets her the apartment initially and she's like, I want you to, you know, I keep seeing things. The broker, by the way, is played by Ava Gardner. Very nice. She's basically like, show me these apartments. I need proof that these people don't exist. And she goes in there and they're all abandoned. It's like, why would you keep staying there? Why would you even ever go back? Yeah, because it's not like she needed a place. She could have either moved in with Mike or her mom was living in a gigantic mansion. Yeah. In, what is it, Baltimore or something? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like she didn't have anywhere to go. She fully did. She just kept going back there. It didn't really make any sense. Like, because she didn't seem, like, overly drawn to the place or anything like that. Like, she seemed straight up scared of it. The Mm -hmm. whole time. Yeah, she hears someone in the apartment above her, even though it's vacant. She hears it, like, every night. And it's... She goes up to investigate, and she sees, like, the ghost of her dad. It's just, like, there's no reason for her to keep going back there. Because it keeps, like, fucking with her. Or, like, she, like, passes out. Or she keeps having these, like, migraines where she passes out. So she ends up staying at Mike's place. Half the time anyway, it's like, why are you even going back there? I don't understand. There is a a kind of a throwaway thread where you think that maybe Michael's trying to drive her crazy like he did, you know. Oh, his. Yeah. So it's kind of thrown out there that like Mike probably is responsible for his wife's death because she caught them having an affair. And it's supposed to be that like that made her kill herself. Yeah. But. Really, he clearly had like a private eye do that. You find out at the end that he's a uh, he's a shitty guy. Yeah, that he was. You know, this is where 
because before we started recording, I told you it's not going to be fun to just talk for 30 minutes about why we don't like the movie. Because <laughs> neither of us really like the movie. No. I think the problem with the movie lies in the director, Michael Winner, who also is one of the two writers of the screenplay. Uh, the other writer is Jeffrey Convitz, who wrote the novel. Mm-hmm. That's based on all the trivia for the movie is about how Michael Winner is a loser. <laughs> mm. Christina Raines plays Allison Parker, the lead. We mm-hmm. haven't said her name yet, but uh, Christina Raines plays the lead. And he was so abusive to her, telling her, like, Beverly D'Angelo would be doing a better job in the lead. You are terrible. Jeffrey Convitt said Michael Winner did did not have the directorial skills to pull off this movie. Everyone just thinks that he's a, a pile of shit. Mm-hmm. And you know how we, usually everyone who does a movie is always like, no, we had a great time. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if they didn't, eh, you know, creative differences. Mm-hmm. People are just going on the record saying Michael Winner's a fucking douchebag. <laughs> and Michael Winner does interviews where it's like, oh, shit, you're a douchebag. Uh, also, R.I.P. Michael Winner. Oh, um, well. Yes, R.I.P. Your movie sucked. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, no. I I think the problem is, is that it was poorly executed. I think it needed a total rewrite. Like, the premise is a good premise. But it's like, it's not believable that someone who keeps having shitty shit happen to them in this building would continue to be drawn to it without doing something to make her seem drawn to it. But there She seems might- genuinely afraid of it the entire movie. <laughs> There might have been something in the novel, though, that explained it. But Michael Winner might not have been interested in that because he really wanted to just shoot naked women. And and boy, did he. Yeah, he did. There are a lot of naked women. The other thing that you and I had an issue with is um, sort of like in The Baby, where there's a scene where they show real mentally handicapped people. And oh. it's kind of exploitive. This movie ends with a bunch of... Just like, I guess demons or whatever. Yeah, they're supposed to be like demons or like people from hell. And it's literally just people who have like maybe some kind of like facial deformity or like um, maybe some kind of like developmental deformity where like maybe, um, you know, sometimes like your arm doesn't fully grow. Yeah. You know, it's so like. They hired a bunch of extras with severe physical deformities. And then just trotted them out and like, made them kind of act like zombies. Here, aren't they like hellish? You know, it, it's just. It no. doesn't feel hellish. It just feels gross. Not like they're gross, but like, why are you doing this to these people? Like his action and having them in that, in like do that is gross. Like they're just people. It just seems so gross and weird that he would do it that way. I don't know if that's how it is in the book. But, I mean, like, you can make people look like demons without exploiting people who just have something going on. You know, some people maybe just have, like, um, some kind of, like, growth or lack of growth or, you know, just walk funny or, you know, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, even at the time, people knew that it was in bad taste for him to do this. And a lot of the crew refused to continue working and their unions backed them entirely good Uh, yeah it was weird it was totally unnecessary i feel like just having like the people that were in the building 
was plenty. And if you wanted to have like demons or whatever, have like people made up as demons, not just regular people who just look different. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. No, the union supported crew members who said, I don't want to eat our meals with those extras. (gasps) And Michael Winter said that that was gross. And he's like, I'll eat with them. And then decided not to because it was too cold outside there, too hot outside that day. So. So, no, the union didn't back. Well, that's even worse. Yeah. I'm sorry. I just have, I don't know. It seems like that wouldn't fly today and they shouldn't have flown then either it's just it's super exploitive i just don't Ugh. the felt- author on the blu-ray commentary refers to michael winter as an egomaniac uh egomaniacal maniac okay and anytime he brought up complaints to him michael winter told him just go find some girls ew and he said he was too pedestrian of a director to make a good horror movie yeah i agree with that it wasn't good however it was translated from the book was clearly done poorly because it made no sense like why she kept going back to that building i didn't really think it made a whole lot of sense as to why she even wanted to live by herself it wasn't like a, it was just like a very thin the reasons for her to live on her own seemed stupid. Uh, good things about the movie. Makeup is by Dick Smith, who mm-hmm. did The Exorcist to make Max von Sydow mm-hmm. look so old. When he wasn't that old yet. Yeah. Aged up Mel Gibson in Forever Young. Did the special effects makeups on... Death Becomes Her, which is pretty oh, amazing. Oh, nice. Yeah, Death Becomes Her was great. Dick Smith is He really one of did those- some amazing stuff because there were people who had to like kind of spontaneously bleed yeah. a few times. And it was really, really, you couldn't tell where it was coming from. It wasn't like super obvious or anything like that. It was really good. Yeah, there are special effects in this movie that even though it is 38 years old. Mm-hmm. Wait. Uh, sorry. What year? 77? 43 years old. Years old. The effects, like, mm-hmm. I don't, I have no idea how they did some of the stuff. Where yeah. I'm like, wow, that's really impressive. And, you know, I, I read Fangoria for years and years yeah. and years. There's really innovative special effects. On this. There are, yes. So instead of talking about for another five, ten minutes about why we don't like this movie and everything that's wrong with it. I believe that it is possible to adapt Convitz's book and make it a good thing if it were made today. I think there are enough good ideas in it. And I think Michael Winner maybe chose to ignore some of Mm -hmm. those or the directing was so clumsy, which is really sad because today you and I just watched One Cut of the Dead Yes. A Japanese zombie movie, which was absolutely brilliant. So and here's some trivia good. about that. It was basically a student film. It was so good. If you guys get a chip, what it was on Hulu, right? Or no, was it, it was Amazon? On, uh, Amazon, uh, but it's on Shudder. Okay. Yeah. Check it out. It's so good. Yeah, but- one cut of the dead. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And like a first time director. Yeah, it was amazing. It on was a so very good. minuscule budget. Mm-hmm. Where you know that this movie, The Sentinel, had a huge budget because Mm -hmm. you have Oscar winners in the cast. Yeah. It was... (sighs) Okay, here's how I think the plot should have been. I still think it could have worked where she was a mistress. And I think it could have been a thing where, like, Mike is just trying to start a relationship with her. 
like he really wants to try to make it work and she's just like no i i don't you know i need to collect it you know yeah, you know it, yeah we had an affair i don't think she should have been living with him like yeah, i don't think it should have been yeah decomplicate their relationship a bit yeah just decomplicate that let it be a thing where she's like look i don't I don't know if I want to be with you. I want to live by myself. You know, I'm just going to, you know, get a new place. I want to kind of start fresh so she can get an apartment. And I want it. It should be a thing where she is feeling like it's home to her. Yeah. Like it just she just has a really good feeling about it. But these weird things keep happening. And I think that also lends more of an opportunity to have it be a red herring of whether or not Mike is trying to scare her out of the building to come live with him yeah yeah i think that's exactly how it should have been is that it's it's a thing where you think that he's just trying to scare her into his arms but you find out it's not she's drawn there because she's the one who's supposed to become the watcher eventually Mm -hmm. it was too overcomplicated in the beginning and not complicated enough at the end yeah and then i think that Michael should still try to save her, but yeah, no, he should die. But there should also be the reveal that he was a monster. Yeah, yeah. where she doesn't realize that he's he's killed his wife. So if we were to recast this today, who would we put in it? Obviously, we're going to put in Leslie Jordan. Oh my <laughs> god, Leslie Jordan, well. yes, is going to be Charles Chazen. I was thinking for Allison, if we're keeping her a model. Mm-hmm. I also want that, you know, what was nice about this was there was also that sort of innocence as well, too. Yeah. And the ability to poke fun at that. I think Ruth Nega from, you might have seen her in like. Yeah, she's in Preacher. Yeah. Yeah. I think she would make a good Allison. Yeah, I could see that. Because she has like those big doe eyes, but you could also believe her as a model too. Mm-hmm. Was it Journey Smollett who played um, Letitia in Lovecraft Country? And it's Letitia, but it's Le- I know they call her Letty in the show. Yeah, Journey okay. Smollett. Okay. Yeah. I think Journey Smollett would do a good job because I feel like she was amazing on Lovecraft Country. She could do a breakdown really well. Okay. Like, I think she's believable as a model, but I think she's also someone who's believable as, like, having kind of seeming to have a descent into madness. You know what I mean? Yeah. I really think she would do good. Okay. We'll give it to Journey Smollett. You know, she's four years younger than Ruth Nega. Apparently, you know, you're an ageist, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think Ruth Nega would be good, too. But I just, I, well, she I, has- I loved her so much in Love craft country i yeah. thought she was so good in it and she you know i guess because i've seen her like i didn't really watch preacher i kind of like mm. half watched it while you were watching it but i like actively watched lovecraft country so i don't who know who plays mike and do we want to go for that it's a surprise that he's a scumbag at the end or do we want to go i think it's it an actor where you're mm. just like oh he is kind of creepy like well i mean because you do have to kind of like make it seem like he might be doing something manipulative but it should be something where you can sort of see it go either way you know what i mean like like he doesn't seem like a scumbag but he could be a scumbag yeah which is a which i think is hard to cast yeah i'm trying to think of like who would be good as like mike i sort of and this might be weird but i sort of feel like zach efron could do it yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, based on his portrayal as Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. But he's not like that much older than her, I don't think. Yeah, in fact, he's a year younger than her. Yeah, see, I don't know if that would work because he's not like, he needs to kind of be like 10 years older. You know, he needs to be a little bit older. I mean, they could gray him up a little bit, but I don't know. I I, I think he would do a good job, but I just don't think he's old enough. Ewan McGregor? Maybe. I could kind of see that. What about Pedro Pascal? Because I feel like I've seen him be the good guy and the bad guy. Like, you can see him be, like, soft. And, like, he was really good in um The Mandalorian and... He was in Game of Thrones where he was very, like, lovey and, like, sexy, um, even though he's only in a few episodes. Like, I think he could – maybe Pedro Pascal would be good. I know you didn't watch the new Wonder Woman movie, but mm-hmm. uh, I found him really bad in it, <laughs> which sucks because I really like him a lot. Well, I think there were just some issues with that movie based on what I read is that it was just kind of like, eh. Colin Farrell? Yeah, that might work. Because he, you know, he was the good guy in, like, Minority Report, but, like, he, and he's kind of a good guy in, in Bruges. I mean, oh, he's a bad yeah. guy who, with, who's trying to do good. So, I guess I can sort of see that. Yeah, Casey Affleck also. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really like Casey Affleck, but that's, like, just a personal thing. Then you're thing. really not going to like James Franco. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Let's go Colin Farrell. Yeah, I think he would do a pretty good job. Yeah, and there are exactly 10 years between them. Oh, perfect. Okay, so yeah. yeah, older guy, younger woman. I think that sort of works. Who would be the sisters? <laughs> oh, God. Ellen Dakota fan. <laughs> Ooh, that kind of makes sense, but I'm also like, I don't want to see one of them jerk off. Yeah, it, it's gross. I don't want to But they're see supposed them. to be gross. Yeah, I guess that's true. Those two women didn't look anything alike at all either i don't know and ellen dakota fanning looked the same to me i can never fucking tell them apart i'm wondering like who could really do it who would be like kind of off the wall and crazy i feel like kirsten dunce could kind of do it could be one of the sisters Mm -hmm. because she was really good in fargo as being like super out there yeah but like the quiet one you know we could uh make it a straight up rob zombie movie Mm -hmm. and just let his wife play one of the sisters and and, uh um i mean she's fine but i don't know cherry moon zombie yeah she's fine i don't know i guess constance Wu. oh okay what about her Hmm. okay i don't know i think it would be like a different like her and kirsten dunst so then they're clearly not sisters yeah yeah like i think it's funny like it's a funny psychic to be like we're sisters oh yeah yeah like you're fucking not sisters (laughs) there's clearly something going on yeah so that it's like immediately suspicious when they try to say that they're sisters i think only because um i was on rob zombie for this rob zombie standby who we know he's phenomenal because mm-hmm. we liked him in river's edge i think daniel roebuck should play the older priest yeah he would be really good yeah because it's like a very like you, you should know. say that the original sentinel in this the priest that's on the top floor is mm-hmm. uh john carradine mm-hmm. and i think it's kind of funny that john carradine has apparently always looked like he died three years before whatever movie he's in was made yeah because i was like wow that's a look and then i was like oh no they just grayed up his hair a little bit like they didn't really (laughs) and like threw some white contacts in he looks crazy who should play that priest do you think john (laughs) carity 
about Keith Carradine? Isn't Keith Carradine the one who's dead? I thought that was David Carradine. Oh, yeah, you're right. David Carradine's the one who's dead. I thought Keith Carradine was still alive. You really don't need a name actor at all because he doesn't have any lines. He's just a guy who sits upstairs with fucking dust on him and white contact lenses. Yeah, but you could give him lines, you know? Like when he's partying. Well, whatever. I don't know. I do think it's funny, speaking of Keith Carradine, that... uh, Christina Raines, mm-hmm. Allison in this movie, yeah. finally actually, well, her biggest role probably is being in Nashville, mm-hmm. where she plays Keith Carradine's love interest. Oh, fun. Yeah. Okay. And then she's also in The Duelists with Keith Carradine. Oh, fun. Yeah. That's neat. Which came out the same year as The Sentinel. You think he told her, like, hey, you know, my dad died in 1950. I don't know why you made a movie with him. I don't know. Maybe. She just started screaming and never stopped. Oh, my God. Wait until we watch Ice Pirates, because John Carradine is in that as well, looking just about as dead as he looks Uh, in this movie. Great. Okay, so who should play the P.I., do you think? That, like, basically immediately dies. Maybe because he's in my mind and he's the same body type. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of surprised because he's the comic relief in Get Out. But I just watched Judas and the Black Messiah Mm -hmm. today. Lil Rel Howery. Oh, yeah. Has a serious part in that movie. Uh And I think he... Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised that he was able to do a, a, serious a heavy role. role. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Okay. So, yeah, let's I'm get... on board for that. Yeah. Okay, and then who should the cops be? Oh, yeah, that's good. I feel like... Christopher Walken is the older cop. What do you think about Shea Wiggum as the younger cop? He was in Joker. He yeah. was one of the cops so in I Joker. Know Shea Wiggum is phenomenal. He's in Risk Cutters. Yeah, he's... Playing Eugene Hutz, basically, from... Uh, yeah, basically. Gogo he's also in... Boardwalk Empire. He's in Boardwalk yeah. Empire, but the first time I saw him... Lars was in... Girl. No! Oh. All the Real Girls. All the Real Girls, sorry. God damn it, let me talk! <laughs> yes, he's in All the Real Girls. <laughs> and he has... It's funny, because in that movie, he has braces on, but he... Put, he had braces put on his teeth for that role. Oh, wow. Like, he didn't need braces. He just thought his character would be the kind of person who would have, like, adult braces. Hmm. I like him very much. I think he should be one of the cops, too. I'd almost say put him as the older cop, then. Yeah? And then get rid of the Christopher Walken stunt casting. But then we need someone kind of young. Mm-hmm. But, like, menacing? <sighs> Who's the guy who plays It? Oh, yeah! Um, Bill Sarsgaard. Bill Sarsgaard? Yeah. Yeah, Bill Sarsgaard. Great, great casting there. Thank you. I feel good. Brilliant. About that. That's good. All right. Who should uh who should be in charge of this? Who should direct it? Jordan Peele. I was thinking that. He has a love for horror mm-hmm. and this is kind of like a Halloween, not a Halloween, sort of like a Twilight Zone type. Yeah, it's like a Twilight feel. Zone type thing. He did the Twilight Zone reboot. I feel like he has a really good eye. I think he understands, like, the importance of certain details being in a movie so that he would make sure that it was a plot that fucking made sense. Well, in that case, I want to put Chelsea Peretti as Jenny, Allison's friend. Fuck yes. Yeah. Yes. And let her improvise. <laughs> Absolutely let her yep. improvise. Absolutely let her improvise. Yeah. Who should be the photographer? Should it still be Jeff Goldblum? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> Just older Jeff Goldblum. I can't figure this out. Apparently, every line except for one 
was overdubbed for Jeff Goldblum. Really? How busy was an ADR session that you could only get Jeff Goldblum to loop one line? I don't know. Maybe it was a sound issue whenever he yeah, was recording. Maybe. Who yeah. knows? Okay, I feel like we have a better cast for this movie. We have a better, a much better director who would actually fucking know, like, how to make a good horror movie that's kind of mind-bending because, I mean, Get Out, hello, so good. Mm-hmm. And totally a mind fuck. I just think he would absolutely know how to execute this movie and, like, make it actually a good movie. And have some sort of social commentary in it, too. Yeah. Like, maybe address the hysterical woman trope. Yeah, where it's like, because I, I do get kind of tired of that. It's, I mean, it's very common in almost every single horror but movie. keep in mind that this is also one of the, like, it wasn't necessarily a trope back then. Well, no, it, it kind of was because, you know, Rosemary's Baby is like Rose, the same yeah, thing as this. Yeah, I was getting Rosemary's Baby vibes from this because everyone's mm-hmm. like, you just need to rest, like, do this or that. It's like, well... Everyone just thinks she's going crazy because she's a woman and she's pregnant. Or everyone just thinks that Allison's going crazy because she's a woman and, you know, she's been through so much. It's like, I'm exhausted of that. I feel like Journey Smollett, because she was also like a strong woman in Lovecraft Country, I feel like she could be a strong woman who can carry this character through to the end. Yeah. And who maybe feels like it's her purpose to be the watcher instead of being forced into it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So look for <sighs> The Sentinel coming 2022. Maybe. I want Produced some credit. Produced by us. <laughs> Produced by us. All right. Yeah. Well, Jordan Peele, if you're listening, I know you're not, but please, God, fix this movie. <laughs> the good news is that we were able to cleanse our palate by watching One Cut of the Dead, which again, we did we recommend. So highly. good. So good. So good. You will love it. It's so fucking good. And I think this episode of the podcast ended up being pretty fun, too. Yes. So watching The Sentinel. <laughs> was not a total wash and it's been a while since we've seen a movie that we've been like uh <laughs> yeah it's been a while since we've seen a movie yeah. that one of us we've been too agreeable we have been too well we also just have really good taste <laughs> i'm kidding i i made you watch robin Fucking hood robin hood man prince of thieves <laughs> So, I guess if you want to watch The Sentinel, watch, like, the 2006 or 7 version. <laughs> Don't watch the 1977 version. It's fucking dumb. But thank you, Robert Schneider or Stephen Davini or Alex Bozanovic or... Whoever. Maybe even Shawnee Constant. Whoever recommended this. Whoever recommended this. I mean, if you like maybe it... Maybe Dennis did. I mean, who Dennis knows? Is whoever recommended this movie, horror. Yeah, it's... Whatever floats your boat. I didn't like it. But I can also say that there are movies that are bad that I very much like. We've I, covered this. It's called The Sweetest Thing. <laughs> I have yet to like a bad movie. I hope that whoever <laughs> recommended this. You made me please, watch Streets of Fire. Get out of which here. Which is fucking amazing. It's not fucking amazing. Michael it's a Perret bad can movie. shoot explosions out of his gun that was a bad movie it had fishnet titties that doesn't make it a good movie it just means it had fishnet titties it just means there was a moment of that movie where you were like oh look at that 
And then the rest of the movie sucked. It had Rick Moranis in it. I love Rick Moranis. I fucking hated that movie. It had Willem Dafoe in a leather waiter. It's really only like a visual gag. Streets of Fire is fucking amazing. No, it's not. Until next week, when you get to pick. Bye. 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 Streets of Fire sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Ha 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 ha